Hello and welcome to That Snappins, the number one, the only Marvel Snap podcast coming to you live, baby. I'm your host, Spencer uh, Nick Fury, and joined with me today is Kevin Feige Day. What's up, Kevin? How you doing? What you what you running in Marvel Snap these days, huh? Um, I'm I'm still running just my terrible like beginner scrub deck and just murdering people i don't know how i'm doing this i don't know if people just like see my terrible cards and assume i'm bad and just don't know how to handle what i'm doing but i'm still winning like 70 80 percent of my matches oh, so that's yeah. great yeah what, what, mean, what are you what are you doing in there right now i'm just uh, my destroy decks is the name thing the thing is i'm not doing what you're doing you're doing if it ain't broke don't fix it i'm doing uh, this is working pretty good, but it's not complicated enough. Let me see if I can make this weirder, and it never works out. And I'm like, let's just double down on this strategy. And now my deck is just nonsense. Uh, but yeah, I'm running the destroy deck. I just got Venom, but Venom isn't working very well. So I, I got to figure that out. But, you know, that was the joke. That's the joke is we always just do a different show. You guys know that. This is actually a different show. Um, and it's a, such a different show that it has a guest. Um, today, let me welcome you. Probably should have asked him what credits he wanted to be introduced with, but I will say, uh, genius movie reviewer, <laughs> um, writer uh, of of various things, including uh, what is it? DreamWorks, right? DreamWorks Kung Fu Panda: The Dragon Knight, very lovely series, as well as the masterful uh, uh, founder creator, the Mortal Kombat historian, the uh, the creator of the Mortal Podcast great podcast check it out it is finished until new mortal combats drop but we have the pleasure of having ben meckler in the studio today how's it going how's it going <laughs> sorry it's going <laughs> great that was that was a delightful uh delightful introduction thank you yeah no problem i just i i really just screwed the pooch on the finish line there because it was like in the studio that's not that doesn't exist studios don't exist people no, just do is, podcasts at home you know i'm in a garage you're you appear to be in a, a bedroom or an office mm -hmm. uh kevin i assume same bedroom office i see a single piece of art behind you and and some tchotchkes so i'm i'm leaning office but this is my office yes yeah there and you go th and that's what a studio is it's three different mm -hmm. rooms in uh two different states yeah but uh so how's it going man uh you you play any marvel snap i did i did a lot the first week it was out and mm -hmm. then uh i don't know what made me go like done i think it was that i like did i was like i'm not paying for anything in this game that's not gonna happen sure yeah so i the miles morales promo thing came out and uh I like got all the tiers you could possibly get without paying money. And then I was like, mm -hmm. that wasn't very satisfying. So I just stopped playing it <laughs> yeah. completely. But, you know, probably similar to Kevin, I was like, boom, hit him with White Tiger, uh, you know, and, and whatever starter shit it gave me and whatever I could scrounge up by winning like pretty much every match. Yeah, it was like pretty easy to win. I assume I was playing against a lot of children and just like yeah. their day. <laughs> <laughs> when you're low ranked and stuff i think you win a lot and then you you get you get higher up and it starts getting tougher you start playing people with like crazy oh, amounts yeah. of cards and and crazy shit. but but yeah almost all games these days have these kind of like daily quests and stuff to incentivize you to keep opening the app you know and i almost always fall into a rut where it's like 
one day I'll skip and I'll have like missed that day's rewards. And then the next day I'll like, I'll be like, was I actually enjoying any of this or was it just mm-hmm. like I was addicted to cl- clearing, you know, checking the boxes. And then once I have that realization, I'm basically just out, you know, but I'm starting to kind of hit that point in Marvel Snap. The thing is, I play Magic the Gathering. Like, I like card games, and I feel like Marvel Snap is like a solid card game in that Mm -hmm. vein. And so I like that, but, you know, I don't know. But what I find myself doing is just logging in to do the quests, which is, that's not the card game. It's not fun. It's just, you know, fulfilling tasks. Addiction. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, addiction is a way to fill your hours. And if you're uh, (laughs) got nothing going on, you know, that can be something to do. I think no, it only that's... qualifies. I could be wrong about this. I've just started doing research on addiction for Whoa. something I was working on, and I think it only qualifies as addiction if it is uh, to the detriment of your enjoyment of other activities and your relationships. Um, right. Otherwise, it's I think obsession. I don't know. I was just I was just reading about this. This is also probably like one guy's opinion in the first book I started reading. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, listen, is Marvel Snap? wrecking wrecking your relationships maybe it's fine otherwise i well, would that, say get off get off the app if the answer is yes it's not well that's it. the question is how does if, if if it's so it's if it's like hurting if it's detracting from your activities and your relationships what if that's all just already flatlined you just haven't had like anything right. good and it's all like there's nothing there is nothing to ruin it's mm-hmm. all just nonsense then it's just like you know, it's I, I don't think it's helping. It's maybe preventing me from getting some stuff going, but I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything to ruin really, you know, like oh yeah. I don't know if that qualifies. So that's an obsession, I guess, right? Yeah. I think I think you're yeah, it sounds like you're fine. I mean it doesn't sound like you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is I like to think about my life. I don't like to I tend to think about my life in terms of most of what I do is just kind of like obsessive slash addictive like I I'm I'm addicted to Twitter. So when I wake up, I'm on Twitter and then I, I do my Marvel snap and then I go get a soda because I'm addicted to sugar and caffeine, you know, and and so it's yeah. like most of my activities I feel like are more compulsive than like constructive or like this is actually what i want to do it's just like well i gotta do it this is this is what i do and then it's not like i do anything else so it's like yeah it's like what else am i gonna do other than kill time you know maybe i should do like uh, one of those immersion tanks where you're like locked out from everything mm -hmm. and then see what happens to your brain in like an hour in one of those things i think i might gain psychic powers or die like one of the two yeah maybe i could (laughs) get the question is is it a risk (laughs) worth taking I, I yeah. mean, again, it's like if you're if you're flatlining, it's like, well, what does it even matter? You know, uh, <laughs> that's that's too dark, I guess. Um, but you know, uh, so so, you, I don't know. You playing any other video games? You're probably too busy for video games. Like, uh, no, is I there am. anything you're doing? I am. I my relationship to video games tends to be like, I get very busy with work. I have a two year old, and uh, and so that keeps me very busy. So then in my free time outside of those two things, when I do have any, uh, mm-hmm. video games tends to be the thing where I'm like, cool, I've got like 15 minutes before bed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play like 15 minutes of this thing. So uh, I got a Steam Deck, which is like the best thing nice. I've done in a long time. It's so, it's so good. Um, and so I've been playing Persona 5. Mm. which is so not my kind of video game at all. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, I'm going to give this a shot. People like really love it. Maybe it'd be good for me to see like, you know, what's it about? Like, is it interesting? Like, this is a very different kind of storytelling. Maybe it's 
uh, maybe it'll give me some ideas and uh, love it. Really great. Really enjoying it. Feels like being on vacation in Japan, which is fun because that's something I missed doing before the pandemic and before the toddler. Um, Mm -hmm. And and what else? I feel like I was playing something else recently. That's kind of been the thing. I started Yakuza uh, Like a Dragon, which similarly, like I haven't really played any of the other Yakuza games, but seems like I could play it in little chunks. And I'm finishing the new Monkey Island which is like one of my favorite uh, franchises of all time. So, yeah, I remember back in my elementary school, like I would come into the computer lab in the morning before like school started and there would all be kids playing like the first or second monkey Island on like the old Macintoshes, but I never played it. I don't know. I got a weird streak where if things are popular, I mean, I guess a lot of people have this. I'm like, that can't be good. And then, like, late years later, I, I discover them, and it's like, why did no one tell me about that? And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's kind of where Persona 5 is for me. It's like, this is too, everyone loves it. How could it be good if everyone is constantly <laughs> talking about how good it is? That doesn't make sense. But I think you're probably good as far as like liking Monkey Island being cool now. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's, uh, it's kind of an underdog these days. So you could probably jump in now. I, I said this many other places before but those games the monkey island games and the uh the other like lucas arts adventure games that came out around that time probably more influential on me as a screenwriter than any like movie or tv show just like yeah. the, the tone and the writing and the kind of weird places the story could go and characters you met like i feel like really at just the right time like imprinted on my brain and uh now i go back to those games and i'm like oh this is kind of like now this feels like the kind of stuff i write <laughs> yeah that's awesome it must be cool to be able to see kind of like your influences like externally i wonder what Mm -hmm. that is for me like i I don't know i feel like video games were pretty inspiring to me and then magic the gathering was because it kind of creates these fantasy worlds and you know i'm a dungeon master so i think in terms of like fantasy tropes and stuff but you know that doesn't really come out so much in my writing not that i write really i don't write very much but i don't know so I mean, being a dungeon like, master is writing. So I feel like you definitely do. You sure, just don't necessarily like put it into a format that's traditionally consumed. But I'm always yeah. intimidated by that because I'm like, I don't think I'm the kind of writer who'd be good at being a dungeon master. It's a different kind of storytelling. It's definitely a different kind. Um, it's like a kind of worthless kind in the sense that you're writing all this stuff and just kind of throwing it in the trash not even necessarily like after you're done playing dungeons and dragons often before you're done playing dungeons and dragons because your players are like i don't care about what's in that building or whatever the fuck you know so it's like this really i think it's the kind of thing that if i was like motivated it would really drive me to do scripted stuff because it's like i come up with an idea and then it doesn't happen and it's like you know it would be great if i could script events that you know players with free will couldn't opt out of it's like i could use characters that want to do the things that i'm writing you know and then then it actually gets actualized but i don't know the thing is like and this is all insecurity and i'm good at generating excuses and stuff but like the the way you write for dnd it kind of has to be cognizant of the fact that your players can opt out of stuff so it kind of is just like mm-hmm. setting up premises and ideas and then not like paying them off or like getting to the end like maybe having some seeds of where things could go but just letting letting the players bounce off of that or like explore that the way they want to and then try and like collaborate and bounce off of what they're doing you know which i think it, it kind of makes it 
hard to like because you don't get like character stories the same way because we well, could like a high level like D podcast it's like people are like really honing in on characterization and stuff but in normal games and stuff a lot of people are just like i want to get gold and and kill orcs or whatever you know so it's not like they're like but my father he wanted this you know i don't know i mean but. it could kind of be a good sounding board for figuring out like you know what an audience is most interested in what's the most compelling material that you're like developing and then uh i don't know kind of ca- that could always inform like well what is the most interesting stuff i'm coming up with it's whatever the people in front of me are like most compelled to do when we're sitting down to play what's the most fun or most interesting i think that that side of it's kind of cool but yeah yeah you throw away a lot of work that way but i guess that's kind of all of writing is you throw away a lot of stuff all the that's time. true <laughs> Yeah, I think like, and I think one of the similarities is you want to focus on characters in the sense that if you don't have compelling characters that your uh, players want to interact with, you know, mm-hmm. they're, you're not going to get anywhere. So, and, and writing can be the same way as it's like, you know, if you don't have good characters to explain these world events happening, it doesn't really work. It's just like, oh, the bank is trying to foreclose on my house or whatever, you know, I don't know. Right. It's not the same. But, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, before we, you know, f- officially start, it's important to like lay out this information. So, you know, just to kind of catch you up to speed at the beginning, there was the one being and mm-hmm. the one being, uh, <laughs> he, he was all there was, and he started creating the elder gods uh-huh. and they were uh-huh. to serve him. But the elder gods were like, I don't want to serve, you know, this one being. So they created the Kamidogu daggers and they split the one being into a million little pieces that became the realms. The realms are kind of like if a dimension, you know, it's like if hell was a dimension Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, earth realm is a dimension and stuff. Do they have any other ones? Well, there's one that's like, um, like outworld, which is kind of like, it's, it used to be this nice place, but one of the elder gods, or he was just a God, right? One of the gods, he uh, became like the, the, the overlord of it. And he, he, uh, terraformed it. He, he climate changed it to be like a hell place. And it's, you know, it's a whole mess, but I don't know, you know, so that's going to kind of frame the rest of the podcast for you. Got I hope it, this kind of gets, that's you. really good. Did you come up with all that? No. I actually oh. got it from your podcast, which everyone oh, okay. should listen to. Um, it's really good. You know what I like about it? I, I don't know. For me, podcasts are like, there's a lot of good ways to enjoy a podcast. But one of the cool things about podcasting is you can just really get really micro on a subject that you'd never like oh, yeah. dig into otherwise. And I just really like lore. And so like your podcast just being lore about one character at a time is just like, it's extremely my shit. Like. I don't know. I I, I really, uh, it's it's good. Same. I, so I'm glad to hear that because that was the old. That was what compelled me. I mean, aside from the initial bit of like, oh, it'd be really funny to trap unsuspecting people in like a 90 minute conversation about the minutia of one Mortal Kombat character at a time. Uh, I genuinely do care about and enjoy that stuff. I'm not very good at video games or at Mortal Kombat specifically, despite it being like my favorite series of all time. Uh, so that makes sense. That you, as someone who has the same thing as me, where it's like, yeah, what's the lore? What's the backstory? What's the world building behind that? Uh, would also be interested. Glad it landed for you. Hopefully, yeah. I'll be back soon. Hopefully, yeah. You know, Kevin. But I hear um, it might not be long until there's more Mortal Kombat, but who knows? Oh, yeah. Is there anything announced or is it secrets that you're privy to? Nothing's that you announced. Can't talk about? I just, there's been murmurs. It's in the air. It's not that far away. Yeah. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, well, you know, Kevin, he mentioned it before the show, but Kevin actually uh, worked at Midway, so he could be potentially, you know, a source of, of secrets that you've been, like, burning to hear. Is there anything that you wanted to know from an insider? Yeah, Kevin, when's the next Mortal Kombat game coming out? Do you? Does anyone who used to work at the now-defunct Midway uh, know and has told you? <laughs> I, I'm sure they know, but no one has told me anything. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint, but... Um, we'll you, get someone you on your touch? podcast to drop an exclusive for you. Oh, perfect. Are you still in touch with anyone from those days, from, from the Midway times? Yeah, a, a few people. I mean, I, I've kept in contact a lot with guys like Josh Sway, who just did a really great documentary that I helped a little bit with called Insert Coin, kind of about yeah. the history of Midway. Awesome. Um, and he kind of brought all of us back together again. Because like, you know, when Midway went bankrupt, we all just sort of like scattered. Like a, a bunch of people went you know, to Warner Brothers to to keep going with this. But a lot of us all kind of just went our own separate ways at that point. And he brought everybody he could back together again for this film. And it was sort of like a high school reunion to see if, you know, where everybody's been and what we've all been doing since then. So, it, it, you know, I, we, we've all got kind of back in touch again recently. I love that. Yeah, Did you fun cross fact pads with John Tobias much when you were there? Yes, actually. And I, th I think I actually mentioned this on the podcast like a year ago, but my first week of working at Midway, um, I was in his office trying to help him fix his computer, and I broke this plaster model of Goro that was sitting on top of his computer. It was like 18 inches tall. It was the it was the one that was actually used in the stop motion thing, or one of them. And I knocked it off his computer and it fell into like four pieces. And I just sort of sat on down on his floor and was like, oh, my God, I, I just moved across the country for this job. I've been here a week and I'm going to get fired. And he came in, saw it and like immediately laughed a little bit and kind of like patted my back. and was like, it's OK, man, that thing's been broken so many times. I shouldn't have put it on my computer. It's OK. Don't worry about it. it it's my fault. And he, he was just the, the kindest, gentlest, like, because he, he saw how much that just like crushed me, you know, yeah. I don't even know if that was true. You know, like looking back on it now, I kind of wonder if like he just told me that so I didn't jump off the building. But I was yeah, he gonna was going to say he was, he's like the nicest man I think I've ever met in my life. Yes. He, he was like on a road trip home crossing through LA with his son and like stopped at some random office I was borrowing from a friend to record an episode of mortal podcast with me <laughs> like, wow. his kid was just like sitting in the corner of the room just like it's cool i'll wait it's no big deal <laughs> like the nicest dude yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah kevin's one of the first guy. people to kill goro yeah it's, it's canon <laughs> and kevin's also a character in nba what was it um showtime and showtime. hang time and blitz you can all play as me if you put in like the code like K space day or something, which is yes. like Kevin's like uh, initial or whatever, it, you you get like a character that in one of the versions it was literally Kevin, like his face like three D modeled, and in another version it's like the character that had a basketball for a head or something. But it's yes. like his name is a code, and he was a character in, in NBA. It's crazy, man. Kevin's the most interesting. You know, we should we should this is a bit early, but we should we should crack into our our famous segment. What's Kevin's deal? Um, is there a sound cue for that? Yeah. There you go. Perfect. 
what's Kevin's deal? I can never remember what we have sound cues for or whatever, but Kevin's an international man of mystery, the most interesting man in the world. You've already experienced a taste of his majesty, um, yeah. but we like to play what's Kevin's deal. He's he's a mysterious guy. Um, no one knows what his deal is, and we like to try and guess what his deal is in the form of kind of like yes or no questions. Um, you feel and- like you're getting closer, Spencer, to getting my deal after you know this is what episode 85 i think the more information i learn about you the more i feel like i know nothing yeah Yeah. like that's the thing i feel like i'm drifting away from a coherent image like i had a i had a picture but it's like no i don't it's it's like a puzzle box you know like a fractal unfurling uh, Mm. infinite mystery but um our guests sometimes have uh, intuitive uh affinities and they've they've often like managed to even with you've actually gotten a good deal of information about kevin a lot of times we don't get like any of this before we launch into the segment and uh a, a lot of times the guests they just go like oh yeah this is a guy who you know blank i don't want to give any more hints but you know blank blank and then kevin's like actually yeah it's just kind of crazy um so it's impressive they're usually wow. way better at me than divining kevin's deal so uh that's that's where the game comes from so uh we kind of just trade off you know asking may, essentially making declarative statements in the form of a question um i could go first if you needed uh, time to think or yeah you, you could go, go first, first I want okay. to mull this over because I feel like I'm getting something, but I, you know, I want to hone in on it a little more. All right. So yeah. Kevin, is your deal that you're one of these like Elon Musk fanboys who's always in the comments going like, bravo, sir, you know, clapping emojis. And, and I think uh, we gotta, we gotta do something about these whatever's, you know, whatever the, the boogeyman of the, of the week is, is that your deal? Like specifically about Elon? Yes. No, I, I was one of the earliest people to go, oh my God, I wish he would just shut up. Like I was a very early adopter of buying a Tesla and think, you know, like I had great respect for things he was doing. I actually ran into him a few times back at his PayPal days way before. You he see was what I'm talking thinking. about, Ben? This is insane. He fucking killed Goro. He met Elon Musk. Okay. Sorry. Continue. But Kevin. I, I hated him in his PayPal days, but he was just a little nerd, you know, like not the egomaniac he is to d- today um and like do you think the hair plugs are controlling him uh, it could be it it very could be something is because he was not like the way he was you know back then as as he is today but yeah from from earlier i was i just wish he would shut up and just run the company because he's distracting he's causing you know he's causing people not to like what he's doing and that's dangerous because he's working on so many things that i think would help humanity and the more as time has gone on, the more I'm realizing, okay, he's just taking credit for other people's work. Yeah, like I'm at right now. You said you met him and he was different. I don't know if like I'm sure he was outwardly different, and certainly he didn't have the uh like the insanity that comes with massive fame and 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 fortune, you know. But I don't know. It's possible he was just like I can't be like this openly, you know, and that, that, but that was like driving him, but it just wasn't it wasn't so surface level as it is now. I mean, he he seemed if I had to sum it up like a nerdy frat boy, you know, like uh, this by this time, he would have been engaging in fraud. He would have like been trading on his false degree that he was using to like get a green card and stuff. So he would have already been deep doing like a lot of this fucking horse shit that has kind of marked his whole existence. But yeah, 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 I, I, I think that's a really good way of putting it. You know, he's. 
he's not a role model and i i wish he had done better with the the chances he got in life yeah like he's like probably... the ultimate example of like the nerd who learned all the wrong lessons from whatever happened to him in his childhood and is uh now uh the last person who should be saddled with this amount of wealth and power yeah like he he saw iron man but was not the right person to be tony stark you know like he's trying to yeah. be tony stark and failing horribly at it early on into to tesla's existence i think like i think i i marked this but i think i was too late like i think what i was worried about had already transpired but i was like this guy he could he could be like a billionaire philanthropist like superhero kind of like bruce wayne type but he could very easily fall off onto the other edge and literally become a supervillain. and that's that's more the path he's taken like i said i think by the time i had that like thought i think he was probably already too far gone but it's like yeah i mean we, we, it's it, this stuff could be good and, and like the society is so fucked that like you kind of need to be super rich to really like make sweeping changes and stuff and he's in a position to do stuff like that he's just the pettiest most small-minded person like i don't know you know like i don't know like the electrical grid and stuff with uh with tesla charging and that, that could have been really good and instead it's just you know rent seeking behavior whatever i don't know whatever, so whatever. not an elon guy that's not no. your thing yeah, that, that that's not my deal. I <laughs> was close though, right? I mean, it, it is a, a hot button for me for sure. You did yeah. seem more sympathetic than a lot of people I talked to, and in, in your in your little spiel there, I'll tell you that. I mean, I I feel like if you put anybody in the six situations he's been in, it would be very hard not to turn into him. Well, that that's the thing is that there's just there's science that there's like even even they've tested even if you get five dollars if you give someone five dollars they will act less ethically than someone who hasn't been given five dollars. There's there's science that proves the more power and and wealth you amass you become uh, more prone to risk taking behaviors. You think less empathically of others. There's all this science that's just like no we shouldn't have a lot of power we shouldn't have a lot of wealth it makes people into sociopaths and I think he's he's like one of you know many obviously like shining examples of this whatever anyway uh you got a you got a, a query uh ben question oh deal? yeah how am i supposed to phrase it again uh, is 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 your deal are you like one of those length? guys who oh is your deal that okay okay or yeah something like that. i mean it's, <laughs> it's loose we could we can mess yeah with it, but yeah is your deal that you're like one of those guys who goes to like the eyes wide shut parties but doesn't necessarily get like super involved in the sex stuff you're kind of more there to just meet interesting people no not really like i, I i've honestly like had a chance to go to a couple of those things and it's just not my thing at all see gotcha. exactly i mean th this is what i'm talking about like and also he's, my radar is you know, way off <laughs> he's he's legally required to deny this stuff you know he, he's he'll probably be assassinated mm -hmm. by the powers that be but yeah the fact that he's been invited to these things means that it kind that, of is his checks deal. i feel like meeting no that that kind of i'm this is these things go together for me where it's like oh you like ran into elon a couple of times in his paypal days sure you were invited to eyes wide shut parties <laughs> no i i think it's more other people trying to feel like okay i want to see what kevin would do in this situation let's invite him like i think that was more uh, what it was than anything that really is an yeah. eyes wide shut scenario <laughs> so you're saying you have friends who who do engage in eyes wide shut parties i mean probably not that extreme but I know people who do crazy parties like that. Yeah, I mean, nothing's that crazy happened. You know, everyone. But got yes, together. exactly what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. See, yeah. this is what I'm All talking right. about. I would have never guess that. Like this is you would have never know. guessed that Kevin didn't go to an eyes wide shut party where people wore masks. You had to say Fidelio to get in, and there seemed to be some kind of like a a culture within the culture that has its own governing body and then set of laws, or just that that Kevin had been invited to one of those. Uh, both, but it's just like when you okay. when you lay it out, it's like the pieces were all there all along. I just never put them together. You know, it's like of course yeah. this is the fucking again like everything this guy says. Uh, this is this is like a recurring theme where. I've just come to finally just accept that Kevin is presumably not lying or I'm just taking him at his word in a way that I didn't used to because for the longest time I was like, this guy's a fucking liar. Everything he says is fucking batshit insane. There's no way a single person can do any one of these things. And yet he's doing all of them. It's true. Like it, it's insane, so but it's just think, like, it'd be kind of funny if it turned out he was lying. Like after you spent all this time on the podcast going like, it's crazy that he's not lying. It would make me stuff. feel better, honestly, because I don't, I don't like that. This is the world, you know, mm. I don't, <laughs> I don't Kevin, want is your is your thing that you're like an everyday carry guy <laughs> no okay well, I, I, what's in your I pocket okay but just wait do you mean like everyday carry being weaponry or just like stuff in general stuff in general i think what i'm seeing and you can tell me if i'm right or wrong is that you're the kind of guy who's like you figure out you're not the kind of guy who's, who kind of just like jumps on every bandwagon always has the newest hottest thing and is and is just like kind of filling your house with stuff instead you're like i'll buy one version of what i've done a lot of research on and think is the best thing to have like you know you, you don't you don't have like tons of different coffee making gear on your table you have one device that cost a pretty penny but is going to last you a long time and you really learn how to use it you didn't just yeah. buy a tesla because everyone is buying teslas you were like i've done the research i'm going to purchase buy into this ecosystem and commit to this is my like driving life is like this system are you are you meticulous in that way yes to some extent i mean in some way i kind of do like the, the joke about like buying tools from harbor freight you buy the cheap one first and if you wear it out then you buy the nice one you know like sometimes mm -hmm. if i'm not sure if I, I like the whatever it is we're talking about you know like say pocket knives or something you know i'll buy the cheapest possible one i can figure out what i like and don't like before I go spend a bunch of money on the perfect one. Okay. But um, I don't actually carry a pocket knife or anything like that with me. You know, I, but that, that's kind of my mentality is like, I'll, I'll buy a cheap one. Then I do that, use that to do the research. And then I buy the nice one. If that makes sense. That's exactly what I was getting at. So yes, okay. it makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Yeah, that is kind of one of my deals. Carry guy. I, uh, I would carry like a message messenger bag that had tools and multi tools and duct tape in it. And then I got this bat, uh, this jacket where the pockets had rips in it, but that meant that you could access the entire inner lining of the jacket through the pocket. And so I would just carry a bunch of like tools and shit in the lining of my jacket. Dude, um, like you're in the matrix. Yeah, basically it, it was cool. Like I had drugs in there and stuff. Well, we, you know, not like various kinds of drugs, but right. But yeah. Mescaline, was, PCP. <laughs> What uh? What is the what is the deal with everyday care? I actually don't think I know what it actually means or what the point is. Why do people bring all the tools with them? Does it ever like come in handy? And is the whole like subreddit of it all just about being like, here's the pocket knife, screwdriver, and flashlight that I keep in my enormous like wallet that's strapped to my belt? Like, is that it? Is it just showing off that like, hey, if I somehow like drive off a bridge and wind up stranded in the woods? I'll be okay for a few hours. <laughs> like, is that? 
I, I, I know people that yeah. are into that and it, it, it's both, I think, a desire to be the helpful one in any situation, mm-hmm. but also to be the one that never needs to ask somebody else for help. That yeah, but also healthy. it's just it's just an identity signaling sort of thing. It's like you're that kind of guy. It's like it, it's associated with military. Yeah, survivalist and military kind of things where it's like, you know, and it, that's the same thing. It's like when I go camping, I want to have all the tools and be perfectly prepared. And isn't that so masculine of me that like mm-hmm. I'm never in a in a bind that I can't get out of and stuff, you know, and then that's where it comes with. I'm sharing this because it's like this is all you need. And if you need more, you're a baby. And if you don't have enough, you're going to be fucked you know um but but yeah i don't know when i was doing it and stuff it did come in handy like i had my like i said my multi-tool and like when i was like trapped behind a barbed wire fence so i clipped the barbed wire <laughs> with the multi seems like a like a wildly specific scenario <laughs> yeah how'd it get, was how'd you get trapped behind a barbed wire fence uh we used to or do is that the kind of situation missions? you can't okay. no. Well, I guess, yeah, I could talk about my night missions, but basically we would just go good kind of wandering, trespassing, uh, like hiking around. We'd sometimes walk, Like one thing we do, it was, it was late at night, like two in the morning. We would like walk across, walk down the freeway, like uh, alongside the freeway. And when cars would come, we'd like jump into the bushes off the side of the freeway. And that was just what we would do is like, oh, it's fun to walk down the freeway and then not let anyone know. And like one time like the cops i guess the cops were called at some point because they came they came by and like were shining there's like sometimes there's like a mounted flashlight that's part of the car and they were like shining the flashlight at the bush we were hiding in and we were like trying not to breathe and stuff it was really crazy i mean i don't know if it's legal to be in a bush like in like near the highway probably the freeway yeah it's probably the freeway part that was illegal (laughs) Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. I don't know laws, but you know, we do stuff like that. And so, and I lived in the suburbs and well, it wasn't suburbs. It was like a farming community and stuff. So sometimes you just be in this field and then you'd be like, well, I want to get here. And it's like, all there is, is like a barbed wire fence and stuff. And it's like, well, I don't want to climb through this fence. You know, I mean, we would do that too, but it was, I don't know. It was, uh, I was, I was the, one of the milder kids, but I, I hung out with a lot of like burnouts and troublemakers and stuff. We did a lot of crazy shit. Um, not that Damn. crazy. I mean, not like that. Sounds like the kind of lifestyle drugs. where I understand uh, being trapped behind barbed wire and and understand being uh, an everyday carry guy. I'm like, yeah, you should have been an everyday carry guy if you're going out in the middle of the night to just like attempt to traverse barbed wire fences, highway <laughs> 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 overpasses and shit. Yeah, sure. It- you know, it's this when you're when you're raising like the suburbs and stuff. There's nothing to do, so you just decide to get into trouble in various ways. I think is kind of no. What I get happens. that. I had a similar similar experience in South Florida. Hell yeah! What was yeah. that like? Fine. It was the suburbs. It was very safe, quiet. The uh, I mean, two things that I feel like say a lot about where I grew up is like one time I went to the movies and somebody stole a uh candy bar some teenager on a saturday night stole like a candy bar off the counter at the concession stand and 15 cop cars showed up oh yes okay yeah that's and, like my town. Uh, yeah and then like the most trouble i ever actually got in was uh hurricane i think it was wilma hit school was out for like two weeks because every like tree and like power line was knocked down and mm. so me and my buddies were just like wandering around this like desolated suburban wasteland 
and saw a stop sign that had been knocked over and tried to drag it home, <laughs> not Hell knowing yeah. that that was like not cool. And mm-hmm. a, uh, a cop pulled up and uh, yelled at us and took our information down and then didn't follow up or do anything. Um, but, uh, you know, pretty boring place with the one like exciting factor being uh, it was Florida. So you're in the swamp. Uh, there's water everywhere all the time and it's hot and humid all the time and uh, occasionally hurricanes just level everything and yeah. then you don't go to school for a few weeks and maybe also don't have power <laughs> Oof. and have to watch yeah. you know, Todd Browning's freaks on a portable DVD player until the battery dies I often dream about going to like other states and living there and then I'm like but California just doesn't you know people say like oh you don't have weather and it's like yeah no one's shoveling snow you know like it's just it's not the weather isn't providing problems ever you know it's like that it becomes this this infrastructural burden in a lot of states and it's like you don't have to fucking deal with any of that I just don't want to it seems like too much work I don't know you lived in uh, any other states or was it just Florida California Florida and, and here I was born in Long Island, but I moved when I was okay. like probably a year and a half, two years old. And then, uh, mm-hmm. so really grew up in South Florida. And then as soon as I, I went to college in Tallahassee. And then as soon as I graduated, I was out here within two weeks and, uh, haven't oh, lived wow. anywhere else. So, uh, used to hot and used to, uh, no snow. Don't really like the snow. Yeah. It's pretty, but yeah, it's still a lot mind- to deal with. It's That's destabilizing. It's it's nice when you don't have to exist around snow. It's one thing to be like, I'm going to choose snow and let's let's mess in the snow for a while. But if it's like, no, I'm surrounded by snow. It's like, I don't, I don't want any of this. But um, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I, I have like, I don't know, weird takes on the cultures of states and stuff. Like states give off vibes and stuff. You might call it like, I don't know, state racist or state stereotyping or something but what what do you call it state racist (laughs) (laughs) how do you what do you feel like the vibe of florida was growing up compared to like california do you think it was way different or do you think people are just people or what i mean like the perceived cultural vibe or the vibe i experienced living there yeah what you actually experienced like if if the perceived cultural vibe is accurate or you know just like i don't know uh I don't know. That's a good question. I think it, Florida is like a parfait. If you drive from the far, like southernmost point of the state to the northernmost point of the state, every 30, 40 minutes, you're in like a totally different world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you got the keys, uh, and then, which includes everything from like places where it's just a party all the time to there's an island called Pigeon Key that's like just for research. There's like some scientists there. And Whoa. then you drive through Miami, which is this huge city that's full of culture um, and and great food and dancing. And 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 uh, I'm pretty sure like every major business has roots in Miami now. And then you drive a little farther north and you're in the suburbs, uh, like where I grew up. And then from there, you know, Swampland, Rednecks, the place where it's always christmas all year orlando or disney world is place where everybody has horses a place where everybody surfs um and then you get to northern florida and it's like it's really the south but it's the northernmost tip of of the state of florida but it feels like you're in the south and then uh all the colleges have like extremely different vibes in town so like where i grew up it was very much kind of the stereotype that was on tv around like the 2000 election where it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone I grew up around 
not everyone, but like a lot of the people I grew up with, um, their families relocated from like the Northeast to Florida. And so there are a lot of like, yeah, we're here because our grandparents live here because they retired here. And so a lot of old people around um, and then like a lot of families and uh, a lot of chain restaurants. I don't know. It was, it was fine. It was a fine place to grow up. A lot of respect for the uh, marine creatures, which I appreciated. I liked that. I had a lot yeah, of friends who went to like a marine biology middle school, um, which was like an option where I lived. So... That was neat. Not so yeah, much I, of that where I live a little more inland in LA. There's a lot of biodiversity out there, I guess, right? Like yeah. just a lot of interesting biomes and in, in stuff. I don't Gators. Know, like I feel like marine you can get gator meat at the grocery store. <laughs> at the grocery store, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. At Publix, you can go get some some gator. Does I don't it know if taste you've had like gator. chicken? Yeah. But like really flavorful, succulent, tender chicken. It's Gator meat's really good. I don't eat a lot of meat anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and I would feel guilty about eating gator meat. They're like pretty, I like, I like alligators. <laughs> I don't think I'd eat sure, it anymore. Yeah. They're, they're very uh, intelligent, nice creatures, but um, yeah, man, it's pretty good. But that's something where you don't really think about that. That's weird until you leave. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I feel yeah. like eating animals in general is like that. That's like, yeah, this is normal. And yeah. it's like, wait, is it so normal? But were there any like was it like standard recipe restaurant dishes or like homemade dishes that included alligator that, no, that I don't you think were I knew anyone to? I don't think I knew anyone who like at home regularly cooked alligator but alligator regular uh, there were a few restaurants where like the dish they were known for had alligator in it and uh, mm -hmm. if you wanted to you could go and get some at the store and cook it up yeah wow. Does it come? Mm -hmm. I mean, it must be skinned, right? It's not like you're seeing like a yeah, scaly. No, leg it's, not, it's not a carcass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It looks, if I'm remembering correctly, it kind of looks like halfway between, it's been a long time since I've gazed upon raw alligator meat, mm -hmm. uh, but kind of like a, I don't know, between like a scallop and chicken. Right. Yeah. Man, scallop. A little more translucent. Yeah. Translucent. Huh. I gotta like look up some pictures of, you don't have to. You can't. Yeah. Of Spider-Man? <laughs> of Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm on this kick where I'm like obsessed with the idea of J J Jonah J. Jameson like demanding pictures of Spider-Man. I don't know why, but it's just... Oh, yeah. It, it's funny. Probably because it rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's funny i don't know i i posted a, a mastodon toot or whatever that was like heartwarming uh north carolina child uh spends all summer mowing lawns to afford to bring me pictures of spider-man or something <laughs> um it's just That's pretty good There's, thank you thank you how are you I enjoying tooting like on Awful. on mastodon yeah I, I hate it i i mean it, it's fine like okay yeah. so i had this whole i i, I kind of documented the process on twitter just but because it was this comedy of errors where just it just didn't work at all like the thing the first thing you do when you make an account is you try to join a server and then it's like here join the servers here's all the servers and it had a list or it had like a like a tabbed list 
of different emojis and the emojis were like these are the the categories yeah, of servers you can join a fucking disaster and, on there yeah and i i was like oh there's a furry one that sounds funny it would be funny if i mean it was like the sixler at furry love you know dot mastodon or whatever you know and so i clicked the furry icon nothing populates and i'm like oh i guess there's no uh furry you know servers that i can do because apparently when the big you know exodus happened a lot of servers like went private because they don't want to deal with like the thing so i don't know if that was the case <laughs> but it was like there's a bunch of emojis that were just like dead. It's like, why is this even on the thing? Uh, you don't have to have all these emojis. Um, but I tried yeah, to join is a server. thing that like you don't get on social media? You stay off it? I mean, I have accounts, but I don't really post anywhere. Mm, yeah, he's silent. He's a yeah. silent runner. Yeah. I get I mean, it. My, I get, my Kevin. Big thing I get Kevin's I, thing. Yeah, you if really I can't do. get my name, I just don't want to be on there. Then your name you know, seems a little harder to get than the average it is. name. Yeah. Are there a lot of Kevin Days? There are, and they're all stupid. Because mm -hmm. I like I have Kevin Day at Gmail, and I get so many other Kevin Days who can't do not believe that that's not their email address. And so they all send like receipts and hotel reservations and things like that. Or they like email themselves things, and I get that. Or yeah. So every other person with my name, I think, has a learning disability of some kind because they they do not understand that like at Kevin Day at Twitter is not them. And they keep trying to reset their password and you know it's it's me <laughs> that's so weird yeah there there's one other ben meckler that i've ever met or been in touch with and i've been in touch with him since the myspace days since i was like a teenager he's like 10 years older than me he lives in australia uh when we met he was like a folk singer um so he was like the dominant ben meckler at that time mm. and i've i've uh i think conquered all of the ben meckler handles at this point and he doesn't really play music as much but we got back in touch recently because he i got an email from like the melbourne library um saying that he had like late fees and so i tried to find him again because i hadn't talked to him since i was like 17 mm -hmm. and uh and i like put out feelers on twitter and ultimately like that led to me actually finding him again and uh and we bonded because like at that point my daughter was gonna be born soon and he has a daughter who's like a teenager now and uh and he told me that the reason he hadn't returned that book was because his ex works at the library and is a librarian so he's just avoiding that library uh hopefully she doesn't watch this show and i'm not like outing him right now but um yeah uh it was a real treat getting to get back in touch with other Ben Meckler, but I, yeah, I've not at all experienced your issues, Kevin, because there aren't, I don't think there's that many of us. Is there another Spencer should, Crittenden out there? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. Crittenden's a weird name, but Spencer Crittenden for sure uh, is, is pretty unique. I don't know. I don't know, man. You should record a single with, you should like do a collab with Ben Meckler and do like the, the two Ben's do a, you know, yeah, come Ben Meckler is our band name. <laughs> Ben's Meckler. Yeah, Ben's Meckler. Yeah, but yeah, it's not a bad idea. I would do that. I like making music. It's fun. You do? Do you make a lot of music? Do you do you mess with 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 synthy stuff or? Yeah, famously, not not famously. famously. I uh, oh. I got really into synths during the pand. I got into synths and and board games during the pandemic. That was like mm -hmm. the two things that my brain panic uh, clung to. So. Mm -hmm. I have a bookcase of board games that I do not play anymore that are just <laughs> sitting next to me now. And, uh, and on my desk below this laptop that I'm talking to you on is a pile of different 
since that I've picked up that I do still play because that did wind up being something that I enjoyed doing. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. Just generating sounds. You know, you got any picks and pans in the in the synth or board game world? Uh let's see. Board games, I continue to adore root. It's like my favorite board game ever. Um love the love the boys behind root. Spoken to them a few times. Uh love the game, love all the expansions. I've been playing the digital version like every day with a group of my friends for Whoa. I think about two straight years now. Um wow. Great, great game. Pan in the world of of board games. Um, I don't know. I feel like I did too good a job with the games I acquired and that I kind of like all of them. So mm-hmm. I haven't sold any of them, despite the fact that I don't. They're just sitting there. They're totems at right. this point. <laughs> um, Spirit Island's really hard to get into, but it's good. And uh, no, I kind of like everything else I have. You know, I never got into a pandemic. I don't I don't get it. That game. I'm not it's just not for me. I've been saying be they pan. should come out with like a new expansion called Plandemic. It's mm, a good know, idea. Like really dig into the uh, someone covering up and planning a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind you know, of plague plague ink? Isn't that what that game is? Kind of I, I don't know. I'm not a board game guy. I like card games, but I don't do board games. I don't know. I think I think if you do it really regularly. It makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense, but for me, it's Planet like my experience. With board games, <laughs> both. But yeah, board games. But um, but like my experience is mostly like I'll just be somewhere and people are like, "Do you want to play a game?" And I'll be like, "Fine," you know. And then they'll pull out a game, and I'm good at learning games, but like usually they'll try to they'll just be like, "Let's start playing" instead of like reading the manual or anything. Mm-hmm. And they explain them, and I don't think a lot of times people aren't very good at explaining games. I think I'm pretty good at explaining games, and so then I'm just like trying to like figure out what's going on and basically by the time the game ends like i kind of know how to play but then it's like we don't want to no one wants to play again it's like but now i i kind of have some vague understanding of what's happening and that's kind of my experience so i'm always behind the eight ball and then um you know and also a lot of people get really competitive and it's a bad combination to not know how the game is played and be playing with people that are really competitive because sometimes that can influence the way they explain the game to you i've found and yeah. uh it's it's so it's like i've had a lot of negative experiences I, on paper i like them but uh it's just it's, it never really worked out but also i haven't played are games you, in a long time are you a, are you a music guy are you a synth guy you said you like making sounds do you do you synthesize often i i used to well i got really into pocket operators when they first came out but uh, yeah. uh, i never like graduated to anything else and they're pretty limited um yeah i'm not a, a lot fan. of that'd be a pan for me i have one i need to get rid of what That's one just what one in is a drawer. it PO33. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, teenage engineering in general is a, it's a pan for me. I got an OP1 before I had to go to set for a month in Atlanta. I was like, "Oh, this will be my nice like travel synth that I'll take with me and then I don't have to worry about like packing up something larger and uh just didn't I don't get it. Didn't take to it. Couldn't really yeah. didn't work for me. I think they're kind of meant, and this isn't like a defense, but I think they're kind of meant to be like a response to what the rest of the scene is doing. And so they, they lean on kind of what you might call like gimmicky design choices mm-hmm. to, so like someone who's like been doing this all their lives or whatever is like, oh, this is, these are some interesting limitations and stuff. But 
I think that makes for a worse product unless you're the specific kind to be very delighted by these things. You know, ultimately, yeah. like a mini Korg or something is probably going to be way better than an OP1 for most people or something, right? I really took to the Electron devices, the Digitone and the Digitact, mm-hmm. uh, without having a background in in music theory or like music production. I've always written songs for shows that I've written or, or movies oh, or wow. anything, but uh, but in the sense that like Mel Brooks wrote the songs to the producers, like I'll hear the song in my head, I'll sing it into a voice note on my phone, and then send it to an actual composer who can turn it into a real song. And I've always That's been amazing. able to collaborate that way, but uh the it's so much harder now trying to figure out like and how do i just execute that side of it myself mm-hmm. how do i like learn to make a sound that i hear in my head how do i learn how what you know what the bass part of the song needs to be like how to make the melody the harmony like even the drums and the closest i've gotten to figuring out how to do that is with the electron stuff their their devices are really awesome and they make sense awesome. for my brain although people call them complex so maybe not for everybody yeah, I might try and check check something like that out. Like I had fun with the uh the pocket operators, but they feel like just calculators that make sounds and it's like it's fun to like doodle around yeah, with them, but it's like not shit. like it's just like it's just like a novelty, you know, which I think there's room for there to be like a novelty noise making toy. Like I I don't think that's a bad idea. It's just like it's not it's not like a composing tool, you know, it's not, it's not a a full instrument the same way. And so like, I had a lot of fun making little loops and stuff, but you know, it's, and and I don't know, like, I think maybe committing to something bigger feels like, well, I don't know if I'm actually going to sit down and commit the time to it or something, but I definitely wanted to get like a a proper synthesizer just to just mess around with it better. Because basically anytime I would do the, the pocket operators, it would just be like, I just can't do the thing in my mind that I can do. I can almost get halfway, but it's like, then I just hit a wall because the limitations and stuff. I recommend the Arturia micro freak for like a first real synth. Cause it can do up. all different kinds of, I'm, I'm getting rid of mine. Cause I'm kind of, I've grown out of it now. So mm-hmm. we can talk later if you want to pick mine up, sure. but uh, it's, it's uh, you can make like any sound you want with it. Really. It's, they're a little thin. You kind of want to, you use like an effect pedal or something with it or software, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's pretty great in that it's got two octaves of keys. They're not normal, like piano keys. They're like a, it's like a conductive metal surface. So your finger Mm -hmm. completes the circuit. So the sound changes based on like how much pressure and how much of your fingers like touching the, the board and the keys. And then it's got knobs on it, which is like the best way to learn, like, what does cutoff mean? Like, oh, well, when I turn this knob, I can hear what it means. Um, yeah, yeah. And then it also has like a full modular, like, grid of the basics of synths or like, how do I make this thing connect to this thing, connect to this thing? And how does that sound different than if I connected them differently? So like, you can do that on it. Um, but they're like very well priced and and uh, light and small or um and uh, that was like the first synth I think I got where I was like, oh, okay, I'm really into this now. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. 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 No, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah. And they connect to a computer or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You can put headphones on and you just use it like that, or you can connect it to like an audio interface and then connect right. it to your computer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Arturio should I, pay me for how often I tell people to grab a micro for <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. All these companies, they, they want, they want these big influencers and then they shovel like loads of money at the big influencers. 
But I think there's space for people like you because they actually yeah, probably they turn into money. a lot of conversions. Yeah. Whatever whatever excuse you want to make up, like I just feel like they should and more companies in general should just give me uh money. Well, I think you're real, whereas influencers are so fake, you know? You're like yeah. I think it comes through. <laughs> Everyone's you know? so fucking phony. Yeah, man. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I'm I'm talking about I'm from LA. Golden you know? I know over phony. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Are you from LA? Where, where are you from? You you mentioned it earlier. You're from. I grew up in um. I grew up in Moore Park, which is about a half hour and no traffic from LA. Oh um, yeah, but I know Moore Park. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I know Moore I'm always, Park. I'm always is surprised when people. Where do, do I know that? Is it because that's where Underwood Family Farms is? Yep. Yeah, I go there a lot with my kids. Underwood Family Farms, I think, was one of the main jalapeno suppliers for uh for sriracha back in the day. I don't know if they That's still cool. are, but yeah. Is the Sriracha factory in Moorpark? Is that where that is? I don't, I think it's in that area, Nearby. but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the news, news bulletin about people's eyes burning. And I think it was like generally mm -hmm. in that kind of county or something, but I, I don't remember. But, Kevin, where are you from? Yeah. Is your deal that you're from somewhere? <laughs> um, I grew up in Nebraska. Heard of it. Yeah. That's, that's about yeah. it for most people. They made yeah. that one movie Flew about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that that's about all there is to tell about Nebraska. It's there's there's nothing going on there. But you got into I assume you got into computers while you were there, and that was what kind of brought you out to Chicago to work on video games? Yeah, from a very, very early age. You know, like I think I was three or four when my parents brought home a computer and just never stopped after that point. Wow. Don't are you don't you have any doesn't don't you have any weird like things that you're doing as a tiny baby with computers like i feel like you have some stories um like war games what are you referring to spencer <laughs> like i feel like he like did coding when he was like five or he like figured out how to root yeah. his commodore 64 i don't know like i mean I don't, I, I don't know how to like say this stuff without coming across as being really like braggy and i don't a liar mean to, to, to it's answer it's not a brag if it's true kevin like i i truth to power I taught myself to read at a very, very early age. And then like my dad had this like learning to program in basic on your Atari 400 book sitting there. And I just devoured that and was, you know, uh, programming stuff before I was in kindergarten. Yes. Wow. You see, this so is what I mean. It savant. just all sounds like lies. Yeah. We, we can bring my dad on the show if you want. I mean, it, it got to the point that like, one day, my, my mom told me that the kindergarten teacher called them at home and told them to stop trying to teach me how to like read and stuff like that because they were doing it wrong. And they were like, we're not doing it. He's just doing this all by himself. And they just refused to believe it. It caused this whole thing. <laughs> wow. That's tight. Yeah. I'm imagining you going into class and just being like, one, zero, zero, one, one, zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you do? Are you, are you currently working in coding? Are you, are you working on games or what do you, what do you do now, Kevin? Um, mostly consulting now for okay. large websites that need, um, high bandwidth and things like that. I, I own a consulting company. Mm. You do a lot of like logistics and hosting and kind of backend servery stuff, right? Like administrating yes. server banks, thousands of servers. Yeah. yeah. I don't know crazy. anything about any of that stuff. Yeah. It's intense. But that's it's, cool. I, that's the thing. He's like, you're going to be literally fine the when the robots take over. Yeah. They're he invented like, the robots. Heal us, take over. medic. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you'll be like in a gilded cage by the emperors mm-hmm. of robots and stuff. Yeah. They'll, they'll be like they'll... tasing you and like forcing you to code, but everyone else will be turned into batteries. So it's probably better. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I think all of our goals should be just to be dead before the robots take over. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that's going to go well for any of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably not. I don't know. I feel like they'll like me. Yeah, but like, look how well your printer works and imagine that being a government, you know? But do you think it's out of spite or do you think it's out of like, because if it's out of like idiocy, then I feel like, well, then they're not going to take over, are they? Well, I mean, imagine like biology, but without evolutionary pressure to work, you know, and that's what we would come up with, I think. You know, like mm. there, there's nothing, there's no evolutionary pressure to stop a printer from getting eaten by a bigger printer because it, it ran out of ink too early or something, you know, that that's, right. that's the level of sophistication that we're putting forth into things right now. And it's not getting any better. Hmm. So yeah, I, I, artificial I, intelligence will take over. Well, I mean, just like, you know, in the last week that chat GPT stuff came out, that is just astonishing me. Like I, I would have bet anybody we were 50 to a hundred years away from what just came out last week. I and, did not see it. You now have to explain it to me on this show. <laughs> okay. Um, it's basically like the computer from Star Trek where you can talk to it and it can do whatever you ask. Like it's under able to understand complicated multi-step questions and you can teach it things and then it will use that knowledge to answer more questions and you can tell it to write a script in the style of family guy and but based off of characters you just told it about and it does a remarkably good job at it and then you can tell it later to write me a computer program that does x y and z and it mostly does it perfectly that's the and, thing that people are freaking out about is computer well, i mean a lot of they're freaking out a lot a lot of things but you can say like write me a function that does this and that and it'll it'll build the whole function just based on the specs that you provide it and then most of the time it'll work or if you give it a code snippet and say like this isn't working it'll tell you why it's not working and how to fix it and stuff and uh, i think a lot of that's based on training from uh you know like coder websites and forums where people troubleshoot that stuff but it, it's pretty effective it's not perfect but it's yeah but people are, so, are really losing their mind about that so what you're saying is all of the people that went into coding and computer programming because they were told that computers were going to replace them at their like manufacturing jobs are now going to be replaced by computers at their Quite <laughs> engineering probably, jobs. Yes. got it okay that's really funny. I mean, like in a completely horrific way. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's actually okay. not a bad writer either. Like it, it's still, I mean, this is very, very early betas of it. And it's, it's able to write a story with like a compelling first, second and third act. And, you know, like so you not even art it. is safe. Hmm? No, no, that's yeah, what not even really people are pissed from, about. Yeah. Is the so art. it's, yeah. It, it, it's coming along faster than I th- thought was possible. Like just this last year, so many things in AI that are all just like, it's just snowballing to a, a point where I don't know where it's going to stop now. Hmm. The the output it makes for writing and stuff is a little bit generic, but it's generic in the kind of way that I, if you like show it to executives, they'll be like, yes, this is ex- like, this is exactly what we want, you know? Um, but also it's like, you can make it more stylized and stuff, but it's like, if you asked it to tell you a story, it's like, it's kind of like a three beat structure. That's like, you know, right middle of the road, you know, we do this and then this happens. And then we found a friend and learned a valuable lesson, you know, like really kind of, uh, 
very, I don't know. A lot of people are saying like, there's no soul to it and stuff. And I don't, I think it's more pointed and interesting than they're doing it. I think it's a lot of like jealousy and, and yeah, suspicion. Yeah, yeah. More than like adequately, like it's not perfect, but I think like people just want to dismiss it. And so they're looking for reasons. And I think like, that's not really accurate. I don't know. It's, it's really I'm going to try to get hired on like a procedural that kind of has like a totally repeatable format. And then see how long I can stay employed uh, just having an AI write all my scripts for me. Yeah. If the beats hit at the right time, the way the audience expects, I might be okay for a long time. But that's (laughs) the thing is that a lot of that stuff, I think, will, will, you know, be very doable. But yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not good at a time where, you know, everyone's trying to exploit labor so much, but I don't know. I don't know. It's. It's a it's a whole thing. I think it's Can really a computer cool. make Avatar the way of water. I don't think so. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> Pretty soon though, who knows? But I don't know. That's that's the thing. I just like I don't know. I like people are arguing, and I think like everyone's really scared, and and feels like they're going to be exploited harder and stuff, or or be out of jobs and stuff, especially like writers and artists. And it's and it's scary. So I, I get it, but I don't know. I think their instinct is to blame like the technology and not the fact that the people making the technology are like, let's steal wholesale from all this stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. well, stealing is, is wrong. Like you could make an AI that's not like stealing without permission. It's not like the AI is doing that on its own. Um, but everyone's like trying to stop it. And I get it. Like we gotta, we gotta advocate for humans. Cause we're gonna, we're all gonna be steamrolled underfoot by our, you know, mechanized corporate overlords if we don't, but it's maybe we'll know. just be free. Maybe they can do all the work. We can enjoy our lives. The computers can produce a universal basic income. And, uh, you know, everyone just hangs out for the rest of time. Yeah, that's on the table. But we have to, you know, we have to destroy. How do we get them to stop climate change? How do we make the, how do we program the computer to do that? Hmm. I think climate change, I think like similarly, like if you had an Elon Musk figure who was devoted to that, I think it would be solvable. My solution mm-hmm. is you do a fleet of blimps or some sort of like ships or, or floating drones or whatever that they have giant like uh, air scrubbers. Like if, if we had like a bunch of, and I don't know scale wise, like maybe it's like, yeah, if you do a million of these machines, it's still not going to come close to, to cleaning the air or something. But I think there is like a big picture solution that could be done. It's just who has the incentive to actually do it, you know? Fair. Nobody. It just sucks. But that's like what you're saying is like with the AI, it's like, we could, it could be like this, this untold, you know, uh, age of of glory and stuff but it's that's not what the people owning the technology want they want to crush us all into paste you know i'm gonna go on the mr chat ai website and just type in help it's too hot everywhere and then see if it (laughs) comes up with a solution that is a good yeah kevin can you pull up the ai and ask how we can stop global warming yes one second all right yeah so kevin's doing that um kevin's been doing a lot of prompts he's been feeding in like comedy and and kind of storytelling prompts all week and sending it to me it's it's pretty fun that's the thing it's fun as a toy it's just existentially potentially very not good but you know i don't know i don't like being hopeless about stuff like that but you're a foodie right yeah exactly I love food. Is there any any Thanksgiving foods? I love talking about food. I would have liked to talk more about food, but but uh, you know, is there any Thanksgiving stuff that you did that that's of note? Any any foods you've been eating or making lately that that you're really digging? Not this year, but I'm about to do my annual uh, Funlotka recipe for Hanukkah. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. So I've, I, uh, started this a few years ago. My wife's a food photographer and she also has a, uh, blog where she just posts like recipes that she makes. Um, and so it kind of became an annual tradition a while ago that I would do a spin on my, uh, beloved latka recipe that was passed on to me by my grandparents. Um, and so what have we done so far? We did kimchi latkas, uh, with like a kimchi juice infused sour cream with smoked salt. We did persimmon latkes with like a black pepper uh, sour oh, cream a couple years ago that were really good. Um, we've done a bunch of different ones. I've been trying to figure out, I think last year I did pineapple latkes, um, which were really good as well. I've been trying to figure out like what to do next. I don't really want to do another sweet latka recipe. So uh, yeah, I've been trying to figure it out. Some of the things I've been thinking about is like, could I do like a pickled beet latka with like a wasabi sour cream? That could be pretty mm -hmm. good. Um, I don't know. Trying to, trying to puzzle it out. If you have any ideas, send them my way. How about you? Yeah. Uh, uh, nothing really. I mean, I had Thanksgiving, but it was all very normal other than corn casserole, which I'm trying to make corn casserole a thing on Thanksgiving. Mm. You know, there's all these dishes that are like, they're Thanksgiving dishes, and I think corn casserole deserves to be in that kind of. Uh, Is that like a cornbread in a pan? Yeah, it's like a cornbread that's like it, it's it's a bit wetter, so it's maybe kind of like a cornbread bread pudding a little bit almost. I don't mm. know how to exactly describe it. It's definitely like you if you eat it, you're like this is like cornbread, but it's it's more savory and it's it's more moist and and has a looser texture and a lot more corn in it. So it kind of falls apart, hence the casserole. But at the end of the day, it has kind of like a crust with some cracks on it, like a cornbread, you know, it's, it's, it, but it's, it's almost like the best cornbread, you know, it's like cornbread, Sounds even if great. it's really good. Yeah. It, and it's really easy to make. Like I could send you the recipe, but you basically dump like three cans of corn in a, in a, in a box of uh Jiffy corn muffin mix into a, into a, a a thing stir it up and throw it into the casserole dish it's real easy and it's so good um but and it's also i don't know the thing about thanksgiving is i think all the foods kind of blend into each other like where yeah. you eat mashed potatoes and gravy and then you grab the turkey or whatever it all just kind of flows and corn casserole fits in that very well where it also flows with all the other ingredients and elements um so kevin pulled up he he printed out a list and it's very boring. Um, Kevin, can you ask the uh, AI to like if there's any more extreme solutions, any like off, uh, like out of the box, extreme sweeping? Uh, Just gonna uh, start telling you how to do eco terrorism. Yeah, I mean that's what I want to. That's what I want to learn. But but just to read it, it says stuff like reduce greenhouse gas emissions by renewing and uh, investing in renewable energy sources, make buildings energy efficient, plant trees, increase energy efficiency with efficient transportation like electric vehicles, lower your carbon footprint, support uh, support climate friendly policies, spread awareness about global warming. You know that's all. You could just if you just googled it that's what you'd find you know okay so this is this see this is what i'm talking about uh launch okay so kevin got it back launch mirrors into space to deflect sunlight away from earth expand the new use of nuclear power to replace fossil fuels increase the new uh, use of renewable energy blah, blah blah large scale carbon capture and sequestration that's a lot better um a lot more interesting mm. Uh, increase funding for research. That's a bit boring. Change land use to increase carbon sinks. That's that's a really good one. That's one I've been reading about a little bit. Um, I plan to go to market soon. Um, introduce geoengineering techniques such as cloud brightening. <laughs> what? 
Uh, increase- I want to know more about cloud brightening. Yeah, Kevin, can you just Google cloud brightening? Uh, increase funding for conservation and reforestation. Implement global carbon tax. Develop and implement a global emissions trading system. Yeah, these are these are better. I mean, yeah. launch mirrors into space is definitely my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's putting things into clouds to make them more reflective, which is sort of like the mirror system. Okay, interesting. I mean, I am very interested in those technologies because i think we're going to need a mix of people being kinder to the earth and much bigger thinking like human creativity needs to play a part in solving uh our impending doomsday so i i like that that's kind of interesting like listen i recycle i've got an electric car i i do what i can to be as close to no waste as possible but it's not it's not me it's like these enormous corporations i have no control over who are not incentivized to do anything to save the planet because all the old people who run them are like i'll be dead by then who gives a shit so uh i feel like yeah we need it we need it to someone needs to profit greatly from saving the planet by launching mirrors in the space Is, that's the thing how do you we wield capitalism like a fucking broadsword to defeat climate change if we cannot defeat capitalism in our lifetimes we have to become rich and then not become evil that's the problem is that you can't really you tend not to be able not to enough examples of that rich. happening so i feel yeah. i don't feel so great about that one. <laughs> exactly but i i agree that like i think a lot of times people argue like oh we shouldn't do that we should try this instead and it's like what one thing should we do and it's like no don't think like that. We do every single thing as much as possible. I don't like like what you were saying is like you do all this stuff, but at the end of the day, the corporations are are still doing the most polluting and stuff. I agree 100%, but then people use that to say like, I'm not going to try at all. And it's like, I agree that, you know, in terms of percentages and stuff, your impact isn't very big, but it's like, that's not the thinking that'll solve anything. We, we got to, everybody got to do as much as possible, you know, and I yeah. know, it's, it, it, but I just like, I don't know. It just feels a little bit defeatist too. Is like, well, what can I do? And it's like, well, you know, we could. I do my part, but I, I, I wish I could also do that part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the problem. Um. All right. So, uh, our time is up. Um. Do you have anything to plug? Thanks so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you, you got Kevin to talk for more. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get Kevin. Yeah, you really do. I. I it's no, always interesting to now. learn about him. Yeah. But he doesn't talk uh, very much, mostly because I talk, talk over him. But you got him to talk a lot, and it was really good. I think our audience is going to love, because the audience loves Kevin. Yeah, I get that. Do they? Yes. Kevin's the secret spice on mm-hmm. the, the Spencer casserole. And he's the reason for the season. He's the reason for the season. Uh, what do I have to plug? Boy, I don't know. A lot of stuff that hasn't been announced yet, and I don't know when it will be. <laughs> um, apparently, like too early, somebody posted that the next season of Kung Fu Panda, The Dragon Knight, is coming out soon. And uh, I don't think that's officially been announced, but it's out enough that I'm like, yeah, no, it is coming out very soon. Nice. And uh, it's cool. And we're going to leave China for the first time in the Kung Fu Panda franchise and meet some of my favorite characters in the series. So uh, please get on Netflix and watch Kung Fu Panda colon the Dragon Knight season one in preparation for season two coming soon. Yeah, it's a really good series. Uh, I I never watched the movies of Kung Fu Panda, but I checked it out and I I love it. Yeah, Um, the show's designed to not need you to watch the movies. 
Um, yeah, it's great. It's outside of canon. It's his own thing. So uh, yeah, check it out. Give it a look. There's fighting and jokes. Some emotions. Yeah, Jack Black. There's some Jack Black. Oh, yeah, Jack's, Jack's in there. Rita Ora, if that's your thing. James Hong, the man. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Man. It's a, it's, it, I don't know. You know, it's, there's a lot of like where it's just kind of complimentary where you got to go like, yeah, check out, support this thing. But it's, it's really good. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of good TV out there, but it's Thank just you, a show that I was like, this is awesome. Uh, it's, it's right in my wheelhouse. I love, I love stuff that's like, you know, family friendly where it's like, this is maybe four kids, but everyone can have a lot of, a lot of fun watching it. It holds up, you know? Um, yeah. And we I tried to make an everybody well show. Me. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, what about you, Kevin? You got anything? Uh, just check out travelhomevideo.com every Sunday to watch all the crazy stuff we have going on. Yeah, check out all the videos that Kevin has in his basement. <laughs> Kevin's basement Everyone just videos. come over to my house and let's watch some old tapes. Sounds yeah, great. Man. Um, I, I, I'll forego plugs today, uh, but you know we like to end the show the same way every time. And in this case, we're going to end it four different times. So as always... Thanks for tuning in, and remember, life is short, so laugh loud often. Jesus Christ. Not going to take that again. Uh, so we like to end the show the same way. And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, laughter is the best medicine. We're kind of in a laughter hole here, huh? And that yeah. concludes this po- episode of the podcast. May your wildest dreams be filled with dancing llamas. That sucks. That's like, like real like early internet random. stuff yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. And finally, and that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, don't trust anyone with more than three eyes. <laughs> three eyes, that's fine. <laughs> all right. Get that's out pretty here. good. That's yeah. all right. <laughs>